Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. So Dan, just watch out when you come back to sit on there later on, mate. As we've been through the announcements, and now move to another and very important part of our service. We love to come around God's Word and to uh, see that truth, as it were, from the Bible uh, come alive in our hearts to bless us and to see God's grace grow in our lives. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've sort of taken a bit of a diversion. We, um, we had uh, Rob preach to us a couple of weeks ago. Then last week, I went from uh, Hebrews. Now, we are back to where we originally are, which is back in Colossians. We've got about two talks left in Colossians, the one today from chapter 4 and then uh, the last part of chapter 4 as well will be next week. Uh, just to give you a heads up of where we're going after that, um, we're going to go to the book of Genesis. Uh, I started the book of Genesis four years ago and I did that up to the, the death of Abraham, which is uh, Genesis chapter 25, which happens to be the midpoint of Genesis. There's 25 more chapters after that. So in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to start the second half of the book of Genesis and work through that from verse from chapter 25, 6 uh, through to chapter 50 at the end. But today we are still in Colossians. And to help set the scene of what we're thinking about for this particular passage in chapter 4, and we need to think about this. The world's on a, uh, in the world today, there's a vital mission that is taking place. A vital mission that's taking place. There are countries all over the world who are working overtime on a present day mission. What's that mission? That mission is a vaccine to help with the COVID-19 virus. Every day you hear perhaps of a new breakthrough that some country's making. I think Russia, I heard this week, uh, has got something out. Uh, laboratories all over the world are working overtime trying to formulate and test antibodies that will defeat this virus and kill it. And I'm hoping that they'll find something that will help this virus. I don't want to see people suffer the way they're suffering. I don't want to see people die. I hope that a vaccine can be found to combat this virus. The world's on a mission for that. Followers of Jesus, though, are also on a mission today as well. And unashamedly, I say that our mission is more important than the COVID-19 vaccine. You see, the mission that followers of Jesus are on, the gospel mission, has eternal consequences. Not saying the vaccine's not important here and now, but the mission that followers of Jesus are on has eternal consequences. And I unashamedly say it's more important than looking for a vaccine for this virus. Come with me to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verses 2 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses uh, 2 through 6, and starts here. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that so, you, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to come and open up your word. And I ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come right now. You would come and bring power and life to this word. You would come 
with your presence to change us as we think about what's happening here in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Thinking about the mission, thinking about the gospel, Lord, thinking about the task that lies before us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thinking also that prayer is so key and foundational to carry out this message. So we ask for your help now, Holy Spirit. Please work in me as a vessel and an instrument in your hands for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that in your name. Amen. Okay. Uh, we're now into the final instructions here of Paul in, as he writes this letter to the Colossians, written about 2,000 years ago. And Paul has written to instruct, uh, to encourage and inspire the Colossians. He's written to grow them in the knowledge of Jesus Christ in and through the gospel. Uh, Epaphras, who's heard the gospel from Paul, has gone and planted a church in Colossae, also perhaps close to Hierapolis and Laodicea, three towns sort of in this Lycus Valley where this letter's been written into. And now Paul is actually encouraging them with this letter. Uh, The New Testament church is in its early days. Uh, Jesus Christ has come and fulfilled the sovereign plans of God to redeem and rescue sinful people. Uh, Jesus has now commanded his disciples to now go into all the world and carry on the task of making more disciples. Have you guess what? The Colossian church is an extension of that gospel mission. As I just said before, perhaps Paul was in Ephesus and Epaphras travelled over to Ephesus. He heard the gospel from Paul, was born again and converted, and he went back and he planted a church in Colossae. The Colossian church is an extension of that gospel mission. Also, Exchange Church is also an extension of that gospel mission. 2,000 years later, here's a church gathered together in Shepparton, and what that is is a carrying out of the task that the apostles started 2,000 years ago. You see, the gospel was never meant or designed by God to be something to quietly sit in the corner somewhere and just not be noticed. It wasn't designed by God to be like that. The joyful good news of Jesus is meant to be boldly announced and joyfully announced to every single person who's alive. That's what the mission of the gospel is for all people, not just some. Now, as Paul writes this letter, he begins to point his letter back to the mission of the gospel that is still going on today. And for Paul, when he thinks about this, he understands that heaven and hell are on the line when it comes to this mission. Paul knows that there are eternal decisions to be made here on earth right now that affect our eternity and our eternal destination. If we go back to Colossians 1, 5 and 6, what we'll see there is Paul lies out the big picture for the Colossians about the gospel. Read with me in verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood The grace of God in truth. So there's Paul giving, as it were, the big picture scope of what the gospel is doing. It's bearing fruit all over the world. It started with Jesus and the Great Commission, and he went out from there with the disciples and the apostles, and it's bearing fruit all over the world. So now Paul brings this back to the end of this letter, and he brings the scope, the scope of the gospel mission, back to the Colossian church. And Paul, in effect, is saying we are all still on mission. The mission hasn't changed. We are still on mission. Now, with this mission, as we think about the gospel going out, what goes hand in hand with that is prayer, is prayer. So this is also where Paul goes to as he writes to this last section here in the Colossians. 
Uh, Here's our big idea today as we think about what's framing where we're going, and it's this. Devoted prayer is foundational to a life of gospel sharing in both words and actions. Devoted prayer is foundational to a life of gospel sharing in both words and actions. Okay, let's kick this off. The gospel unites us to Jesus. And this brings us into a loving relationship with God. God is no longer some distant, irrelevant thought, like you're God, I don't care who you are, I'm just out there somewhere, or you're not even in my life at all. No longer is it like that when the gospel has come into our life. God is now our heavenly Father. He's a Father who delights to be in relationship with us. And what naturally flows out of relationship is communication, isn't it? And that's what prayer is. It's communication. It's simply speaking to God. Now, I believe sometimes we just don't get that. We don't get what an awesome privilege that prayer is. It's as simple as a daughter or a son coming to their father to speak with them, to share their thanks, to share their hurts and their problems, to share their needs, just to talk about life. You see, prayer is a gospel blessing that Jesus has obtained for us. Prayer is a pipeline, as it were, of God's grace and love into our lives. It's just amazing how that works. We talk to God in prayer and God gives us grace and strength. We build our relationship with him. So here's Paul's instructions here for Colossians in verse 2 as he talks about kicking this off with prayer. In verse 2 he says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You see, this is prayer. It's, it's a byproduct, a natural byproduct of a relationship. God loves us. He saved us. We now pray. And Paul says here, continue steadfastly. What does he mean by the word there? Steadfastly. It's a key word that Paul's saying. What does he mean by that? Steadfastly means to persist, not give up, persevere, or be devoted to prayer. It means I'm going to stick at prayer no matter what. I'm going to keep this conversation going with God no matter what. Now, I'm sure Paul doesn't mean here, this is like 24-7, kneeling beside my bed in prayer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's not saying that by steadfastly or continuous steadfastly in prayer. It's not that, because if we were in that sort of mode of prayer 24 hours a day, actually we wouldn't be able to do any connection with the world at all. So he doesn't mean that. But I believe that Paul does mean this. It is to be in a continual attitude of prayer. A continual attitude of prayer. That is, whatever I'm going through in life, that prayer will be my go-to position to keep focused on God. How does that look, you might ask? Well, it looks like lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. That doesn't necessarily mean long extended times of prayer, although I think it will be that at times. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. I think a continual attitude of prayer will mean lots of moments of prayer. Whatever is happening in your life, stop and pray. I know for myself, whenever I go to visit somebody or see someone, I'll always stop and pray. With my kids, and what I can't call them kids anymore, they're mainly nearly all adults. Now, with my family, we'll pray about life. I've got a daughter at the moment who's looking to buy uh, land and a home and we're sort of talking about that and we're praying about that. I've got one son still at school and he's going through stuff at school and we'll pray about that. I've got a daughter in Brisbane and one in Geelong at the moment and we'll pray about stuff. It actually just takes life in its stride but to do that with prayer. 
When I'm preparing a sermon, I'll pray lots, probably maybe 10, 12 times or more. Sometimes I'll get this mental blank. It's just not flowing. The words aren't coming. The ideas aren't there. Stop and I'll pray. I'll get towards the end of a sermon in preparation. And I'm thinking, Holy Spirit, help me to sort of finish this now. It's as simple as that. Keeping this attitude of prayer. Now, but Paul, he's got a specific prayer request for the Colossians in mind. Look at what he says there in verse 3. At the same time, so during your prayer, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of of which I am in prison. What we see here with uh, with Paul is an enormous picture of just how deep the gospel has gone into Paul's heart. Think about this. Where is Paul when he writes this letter? Well, he's just told us, hadn't he? He's in prison. Has he asked for release from prison in this prayer request? Answer, no. Now, it's okay to certainly ask for prayer to be released from prison. I'm not saying that's wrong or anything like that at all. But that's not what Paul has asked for. Paul's got a bigger picture in mind as he asks for prayer. Paul is so filled with Christ that his first thoughts are not how can I get out of prison, but how can I tell more people about Jesus while I'm in prison? How can I make the most of this opportunity right now? Guys, pray for me. Please pray that God would open up doors of opportunity for me so that I can tell people about the mystery of Christ. Pray that people here in the prison would want to ask me, what's this Jesus person all about? You see, prayer is foundational here in our lives of living for Christ. And prayer is also foundational if we want to carry out the mission of the gospel to see people saved. Paul's demonstrating that here for us. Please pray for me. Please pray for an opportunity that I can share Jesus. Prayer is critical in the, in the mission of the gospel. I read this the other day, and it was about Charles Spurgeon. He was showing a visitor around the newly constructed Metropolitan Tabernacle there in London, and this visitor asked the reason to Charles Spurgeon, what is the reason for your successful ministry? Charles Spurgeon led the visitor down to a large room below the auditorium where the people meet, led them down to this large room, and he said, here it is. Here we have hundreds of people praying as I preach above. This is the power of the gospel. Prayer is foundational to see the gospel uh, carry out its power and carry out its work. That is what God has ordained for it to take place. Prayer is foundational to gospel mission. Any salvation is a miracle of seeing people go from spiritual death to new spiritual life. You see, we aren't capable of that in ourselves. We are simply the messengers. We simply carry out the task and the message of the gospel. Prayer is calling upon God to act graciously and to open up people's eyes to the glory of Jesus Christ. Okay, as we think about that, and still in line with prayer, let's think about what the mission of the gospel is as Paul goes to the next part of this talk here, the next part in uh, verse 5, which is about living in a Jesus-transformed way. Look in verse 5 where Paul says this, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. What does Paul mean when he says that to us? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Outsiders, Paul uses that term there. Who are these outsiders? These are people who are outside of Christ. 
These are people who are outside of God's kingdom. These are people who are not saved. These are people who are cut off from God. These are people not trusting or not genuinely trusting in Christ alone. Paul says, walk in wisdom or live wisely before outsiders. What does Paul mean here by living wisely before these outsiders? I think in a gospel missional sense, towards outsiders, how we live, how we live is vital for our witness for Jesus. That's the wisdom I think Paul's talking about here, is how we conduct ourselves in life before outsiders. You see, how could we witness to the change that Jesus has made in our lives if we continue to have this uncontrolled temper? Or how could we witness to the power of the gospel if I still have a foul mouth? Or how could I witness to the power of the gospel if I'm still jealous and I have a bitter spirit? Or how could I witness to the power of the gospel if I'm still lazy and have an unhelpful attitude towards people? You see, when we talk about Jesus, if that's how our life was, our lives are telling a very different story to what our mouth may be saying. In actual fact, when our lives don't match up to the gospel, as in living wisely towards outsiders in a gospel-transformed way, when our lives don't match up to that, we disgrace Jesus. We bring shame on the gospel. Because we're saying one thing, but our lives are saying something very, very different. You see, living wisely before outsiders is living a gospel-transformed life before them. And you see, when we do that, genuinely let the gospel transform us from the inside out, We bring attractiveness and we bring credibility to the gospel. It's powerful. It changes lives. That's a very important part of our witness is the life that we live expresses the gospel. Paul says next, make the best use of our time. What does he mean by that? By making the best use of our time. Well, that phrase there means to take hold of an opportunity. Uh, It's a bit like snapping up a bargain on eBay. You see it, you just got to grab it. Now, I think, um, did they have something a while back? Click frenzy or something on the internet? I mean, I'm looking around and no, there's no one not here. Yeah, well, I've got one nodding head in the room here with me. They have this click frenzy thing where you just, you've got to click at some certain time. It's seizing the opportunity and it's grabbing hold of the bargain. Uh, in a gospel sense, it means this making the best use of your time. Be alert for any opportunity you're given to take hold of and then bring Jesus into the conversation. Be alert. Be listening. Someone may say, you know, this whole corona thing, it has messed with my head. I'm not sure where this world's going to end up. Someone might throw that line out in a conversation or something similar to that. Being gospel alert means seize that opportunity. Jump in there when you actually sense there's something you could say. Yeah, you're right. Have you ever wondered why this world's so broken? Have you ever wondered or thought maybe there's possibly a greater being out there? It's being gospel alert, trying to actually bring Jesus in some way, into the conversation. Now, it's really important for us to think here that COVID-19 isn't a time to drop off the pace for the mission. Sometimes we might think, well, this whole restriction, this whole shutdown, well, like, everything shut down. Even the mission of the gospel shutdowns. No. No. COVID-19 does not stop the mission of the gospel. Jesus said, I will build my church. Oh, hang on, but when COVID-19 comes, I'll just stop for a while. No. Jesus will build his church all the way through. We've got to believe that God is giving us opportunities right through Corona to talk about Jesus. It's not easy though, is it? 
It's not easy being gospel alert and, and, and sort of being switched on and, and looking for that opportunity when you can say something here for the mission of Christ. So what do we do? How do we get better at this? We pray. That's what Paul's telling us to do here. We ask God to help us with alertness. We ask the Holy Spirit to keep us sensitive to opportunities to speak. We ask the Holy Spirit to give us boldness to jump in and speak. We pray. You see, prayer is foundational to our gospel witness through our lives in being on mission for Jesus. Have a guess what? God answers those prayers. He will. I'll tell you right now, if you pray genuinely in the morning, Lord, please help me to be alert for gospel opportunities. Please help my mind and my ears to be listening and thinking where I can jump in. You pray like that, and I'll tell you that, you will be alert. The Holy Spirit will help you to be alert and to jump in and take hold of that opportunity. Paul not only prays for opportunities here to share the gospel, he's also asking for prayer that he would share the gospel effectively at the same time. He says there in verse 3, to declare the mystery of Christ, but then he follows on to show what that declaring means in verse 4. So pick it up with me in verse 4, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul is speaking out the gospel. He's using the simplest mode of communication known to humanity, speech. And you've all witnessed that for those who've raised families. You see your little son or daughter grow up and all of a sudden they can communicate to you with words. And the whole relationship and the dynamic changes. Speech, God's way of actually announcing and communicating the gospel. But what's interesting here in this statement is that I may make it clear, Paul says. And this statement also that he said there ties in with verse 6 as well as he instructs the Colossians in their gospel witness. So look at, with me, and look at verse 6 with me as well. He says there, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So let's pull this together a bit here and ask this question. What is Paul meaning by making it clear and our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt? Let me say this about our witnessing. We can either make the gospel clear where people can understand it, or we can make the gospel seem obscure and irrelevant. We can either be winsome and informed about the gospel, or we can be insensitive and ignorant in presenting Jesus. That's what Paul's taking us here in this little passage here in Colossians. You see, Paul wants us to be wise and warm with our presenting of the good news of Christ. Let's see what he, what he's, where he's going with this. Make it clear, Paul says. Help me to make it clear. Gospel clarity comes from understanding where my hearer is coming from and what their issues are. It's not like a cookie cutter approach, like one, one shoe fits all. It's not like that when it comes to the gospel. You see, if somebody is proud and arrogant and really self-righteous and thinking their way of getting to God is just through their own good works and they're quite proud about that, how do we approach them with the gospel to make it clear? We need to show them that all of our good works amount to nothing. Isaiah tells us our good works are as filthy rags in God's sight. We don't present any good works to God to get right with him. So if somebody's proud and full of their own self-righteousness, 
we need to approach them in that way. But if somebody who's different, who's a victim of abuse of some kind, and they're broken with pain and rejection, we'll approach them with a very different path. In that brokenness and that rejection, we'll approach them with God's compassion and God's love. See, to make the gospel clear, we've got to understand who we're talking to, what the issues are. Listen carefully to hear what they're going through. It's not a one-shoe-fits-all. It's, not, it's different horses for different courses. And we see different people and what they're going through in life. Make it clear also means this, that Jesus isn't the golden ticket to a problem-free life. Like, come to Jesus and you'll take all your problems away. That sounds really great to say, thinking you might give somebody a lot of hope, but you can't say that. That's not in the Bible. That's not what the gospel is. It's not the golden ticket to take all of your problems away. Make it clear means we present Jesus in truth, communicating to people that our biggest problem in life is our sin problem before God, both to the proud, self-righteous person and even to the person who's feeling brokenness and rejection. You'll do it in different ways to see what has cut us off from God. That's what we'll do with the making it clear. Tell them about Jesus in truth. Next, Paul says, our speech should be gracious and seasoned with salt. Part of our mission here as we're approaching outsiders. Now, when you see salty speech here, it's probably not what you think. Because today, if you said someone salty, boy, that guy was a bit salty, wasn't he? We sort of think he was a bit ticked off, he was a bit bitter, he was a bit angry. Well, in Paul's day, salty speech didn't mean that. Salty speech in Paul's day, in Greek thought, because we're thinking here from a Greek perspective, that means to put a bit of spice into what you're saying. Make the gospel interesting. Make the gospel relevant. Make the gospel colourful. Make the gospel vibrant. Make Christ look wonderful as he should. Why? Because he is colourful, vibrant and wonderful. That's who Jesus is. Now, in making it a bit spicy, as it were, we don't water down the truth of the gospel about sin, about hell and judgment, also about God's grace and love and forgiveness. But when we talk about Jesus, we actually let that come out of us in a very colourful way, in a very genuine way, making Christ look great, making him look glorious. Our, our gospel presentation shouldn't be um, you know, dull and boring. And I know that's a bit of a subjective term, but it should be colourful. Paul's saying here, seasoned with salt, spice it up. Not in, un, uh, not in an ingenuine way, but in a genuine way with true passion of who Jesus is and what he's done. Our gospel should be vibrant. It should be a real extension of who we are. Lastly, Paul says, though, also that we may know how to answer people. This is really important, too, as part of our mission. This means being able to answer people's questions about life and how the gospel does really connect with all of life. It could be, well, what does the gospel say about abortion? What does the gospel say about the environment? What does the gospel say about marriage? What does the gospel say about my mental health? What does the gospel say about sexuality? What does the gospel say about this world? We should be growing in our understanding and knowledge here of the gospel, how it applies to all of life, so we actually know how to answer each person. And that doesn't mean we are going to have an answer for every person, but it means we should be equipping ourselves somewhat to be able to show how the gospel really does embrace all of life now that's not easy is it 
Totally agree. Definitely not easy. We need God's help to be able to grow in this. We need God's help to apply our minds to this. So what do we do? We do what Paul tells us right at the start. We pray steadfastly. We ask the Lord to help us to grow in our understanding of applying the gospel to all areas of life. And then we commit ourselves to learning, to reading and understanding how the gospel does apply to all areas of life. You see, that's the mission of the gospel here for the Colossians to carry out. Now, that's Paul's letter to them 2,000 years ago, but that letter's written to us today. So this is the same mission for Exchange Church. This is the same mission that we are in right now today in 2020. Where do we find the world today as we think about this mission, as we think about the year 2020? It's in turmoil, isn't it? It's absolutely in turmoil. Uh, I'm looking at governments across the world and I'm seeing major political division that's gone sort of uh, crazy with bitterness and, and sort of just uh, poison. I'm not sure if any of you guys have been following uh, the USA, but they have an election coming in a few months' time. And uh, to see the political divide between the Democrats and the Republicans, uh, it's just crazy. I think, in some sense, that country's on the brink of some sort of maybe civil collapse in some ways. It's, it looks crazy over there. Uh, things that we've taken to be stable and sure in the world are shaken to the core. A virus pandemic that's now causing fear and anxiety and certainty at every level of community across all generations and we're seeing mental health issues as it were go off the scale with where we are at this point in time of the world this pandemic is revealing that the world that we have uh, the world that we know has built its foundations on sand and not on solid truth that's where we find the world today it's in turmoil but what do we have today what do we have as believers in Jesus, as followers of Christ. What do we have? Well, we've got a vaccine. We've got a vaccine that the world needs. We've actually got the antidote and the cure to all of our brokenness and sin. You see, there are people dying today who are going to meet Jesus totally unprepared. There are people who are going to die tomorrow who aren't prepared to meet Jesus at the judgment seat. And when their life ends on this earth, there are no second chances for mercy and salvation. There's no sort of some middle earth or some other intermediate place where I can maybe have a second chance. That's not the case. That's reality. That's eternal. People are dying and they're not ready to meet Jesus. But what have we got as Christians? We've got Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We've got a God who so loved us more than we could ever imagine that he sent his one and only Son to take our place and to die for our sins so that we could be saved, we could be transformed, so that we could know him in his love and joy. We have a priceless gift in Christ. Jesus told a parable about this man who found this uh, a field with a treasure hidden. And it says in that, in that parable that for, for joy he went and sold all that he had to gain that treasure. That's the treasure that we have. It's a gift. It's a privilege that we can share with people Jesus. The answer for all their problems. And their biggest problem in life is their separation from God. 
But also what comes with that is a responsibility for us too. Around us here, just in our immediate environment of the Goulburn Valley, there's 70,000 plus people. And as we've said numbers of times, by the numbers we have of people who are going to church, 68,000 of these people are not going to be with Jesus should they die. They'll be in hell forever. It's a big responsibility. It's a big mission. On its own, it's an impossible mission for us. We can't do this in our own strength. But we're not on our own. God is with us. And as Paul's got us right here at the start of verse 2, we engage God by prayer. Prayer is foundational to the mission. Prayer is the avenue where God opens up doors of opportunity. Prayer is where the Holy Spirit grows our courage and our love for the mission. Prayer is where the Holy Spirit grows our love for other people, people we work with, people we might go to school with, people we might hang out with, maybe not so much at the moment, but people we would normally hang out with. The Holy Spirit, through prayer, grows our love for these people. Prayer through the Holy Spirit actually softens people's hearts to be receptive to the message of the gospel so they would see Jesus. What are we called to do by Paul here? To pray and to proclaim. To pray and to share Jesus. Who's somebody that you can start praying steadfastly for now so they would discover Christ? Who's somebody in your life? Somebody you might see online, you know, a work colleague. They're not sitting next to them now, but you're still seeing them online, perhaps in a work situation or a school situation. Who's someone you could begin to start to pray for that you could share this gift of Jesus with them? Who is that person? Here at Exchange, we uh, put these prayer cards out uh, late last year, and uh, that's a great way of actually doing that. On the front, on the back there, we have a spot where you can put four names. Uh, again, that's just a reminder for us to pray for people. And come and pray that they would have an op- we would have an opportunity to share Jesus with them and they would have a receptive heart. We would encourage you to take these prayer cards again and to use them to engage in prayer. If you want one of those prayer cards, just contact us and we'll send you one in the mail. Because we want to pray. We want to share the greatest gift that we can possibly ever uh, share with anybody. The priceless gift of Jesus Christ to carry on this mission and to see more and more people come to the joy of knowing Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now that we can come and we can uh, open up this word and see where Paul's leading the Colossians, Lord. This large scope of the world on mission and the gospel bearing fruit all over the world. And then to bring it back down, Lord, as it were, to the uh, everyday life of where we are, where the Colossians were and where we are today here in the Greater Shepherd and Goulburn Valley region. Uh, Lord, I ask and I pray, please give us a heart to pray. Please give us a heart to come together in corporate prayer. Even as we gather this afternoon, Lord, stir hearts to want to come and to pray as a community of believers. Give us a heart to pray, Lord, regularly with an attitude of prayer all the time. Praying for opportunities to share the gospel. Praying for situations we may go into. Praying that we'll be alert. Praying, God, that you'll give us the right words to say. Praying that we'll make it clear as we should. So many things to pray for. Help us to see, Lord, what a glorious privilege that prayer is. We just we, we live our life talking to you, in relationship with you. Help us today in that, in that, I pray, Holy Spirit. Father, we long to see many, many more people born again, come into a new relationship with Christ. 
Now, this is what exchange is here for, to connect people in Jesus and to grow people in Jesus. Help us to carry this out, Lord, we pray, in the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth of the gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.